I'm Chris, and this is my Writing Table Podcast, where we talk to authors and other creatives about the writing world and what it takes to create the books that we love to read. Ready? Pull up a chair, and let's begin. Shard has been teaching high school social studies for 21 years. She's an avid cook, volunteer for good causes, and a devoted Red Sox fan. A graduate of Bates College and Tufts University, she lives in the Boston suburbs with her husband and two children. Welcome, Jen. Hi, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. Well, Jen, I was curious, how did teaching social studies fold into writing novels? (laughs) Um, Well, they really don't have a whole lot of a connection between each other. I think it was more the fact that I've been doing this for a long time. I've been teaching now, this is my 22nd year teaching high school social studies. And it was back in 2014. I had just finished a major volunteer role. I was the president of my college's alumni association for two years, which was a all-encompassing sort of thing. It took a ton of my time and I absolutely loved it. And when that time was over, I knew that I had to find something else that was just for me. I was you know, still working. Um, my kids were young. They were, gosh, at that point, they were seven and three. And I didn't have a ton of extra time, but I knew that I needed something else. And so I started just toying around with this idea of seeing if I could write a novel. And it took me two and a half years to write that first draft. So it did take some time, but I did finally write it. That's cool. So was that this novel, first yes. course? Yes. Wow, that's awesome. So tell me when you finished the first course, literally, how long did it take before it was ready? Did you pitch it? What was the process after that? So I really started writing it for real in 2015. And like I said, it was two and a half years. And so that brought me to, you know, later in 2017. And I started editing it myself the best I could for about a year. And during this whole time, I had been going to a lot of author events and reading a lot of author interviews and learning as much as I could about the publishing industry because I was just brand new to it. And then by the time the summer of 2018 rolled around, I was like, oh, all right, we're finally going to move forward with this a little bit. And so I went to a seminar at Grub Street, which is a writing center in Boston. And I really liked the instructor who I met there. And I ended up hiring her as a consultant to help me with my query letter and to go over the first four chapters to see if I was at least going in some sort of a a decent (laughs) direction. And she gave me a ton of advice as well, which was great. And then one of my closest friends from growing up from high school lives near me now, and she's an English teacher. And the consultant said, you know, if you've got someone like that, have her read it and see what she thinks. And she has now become my go-to for anything that I write. And she was very helpful. And I just started from that point on sending out queries in the fall of 2018. And then it was published this past year, correct? Yeah. So I spent the next, gosh, 10 months querying I had a ton of requests. It was a lot of real near misses on this. And I ended up in June of 2019 when I just kind of kept feeling like I was just sort of hitting a wall over and over again with so many agents saying, I almost offered you representation, 
but I decided not to. Um, I decided to send it out to a few small presses. And within a couple hours of sending it to my publisher, Touchpoint Press, they asked for the full manuscript. So I sent it to them and I heard from them four months later and they offered me a publishing contract at that point. Well, congratulations. That's exciting. Thanks. You know, you said before all this, you spent some time going to all these conferences, like a sponge, trying to soak up as much as you could. Looking back now that you're on the other side of this, what's something that you didn't know you should be looking for back then? That's a really good question. I think if someone had told me this is all going to work out eventually, I think that that would have given me some more confidence along the way, because I went through many times where I'm like, is this ever actually going to happen? It was good in so many ways, because it got to a point in the spring of 2019 that I went out to dinner with my husband and I was really frustrated about the whole thing. And he said, what do you ultimately want from this? I said, I want to be a published author. I want to, I want to write, I want to write more. And he said, well, then you figure that out. It's going to happen one way or another. And so I think I needed a little bit of a push, but if I had known all along that it was going to work out, I think that I could have gone into it with a lot more confidence. I've had to learn a lot along the way. But don't you agree, though, in that time between when you thought it was ready and, you know, you don't keep sending it out. No. You're constantly tweaking it. Yo, let's try this. It drives my husband crazy. He'll say, oh, gosh, you rewrote that thing so many times. Like, And I'm not upset about it because I'm thinking, well, no, because somebody else saw something that I didn't notice. But it wouldn't have been the same book. No, it's true. And you're absolutely right. And I rewrote chapter one probably 25 times. (laughs) Chapter one is always, you know, even now I'm writing my third book and I will still go back and change chapter one. I'm supposed to be like in chapter 20. Go back to chapter one. Absolutely. And I think now, you know, I'm working on my second book and I write so differently now. I really, you know, just how I approach backstory and interaction between characters. You're right, because I've taken every bit of advice and criticism I got the first time around and I'm able to do this so much more easily now. The first draft is never easy, but so much more easily than I did the first time. I really had no idea what I was doing. I know we all say, oh, we're going to write this book. When you actually sit down, it's like, Okay. And the keyboard. Now what? (laughs) Tell us about First Course. First Course is a book about second acts in life. And it it ended up being kind of ironic because I was seeking a bit of a second act myself and I ended up writing a book about second acts. But it is a book about the main character, Janie, is in her mid-20s. She is working towards her kind of dream job in journalism, which she's realizing is going to be, you know, a tough road ahead, given how many things she's in print journalism and how many things are shifting online. She's in Chicago. She's been carrying on a secret relationship with her editor, who is also her boss, who is considerably older than her for quite a while at this point, almost a year. And on one day, a ton of things happen to her. The magazine is going to go away. And unfortunately, at the same time as all this is going on, her parents die in a small plane crash. Her older sister, who's living in the Boston area, finds out that her husband's been cheating on her very publicly. And so there's just a ton of things that happen all at once. So Janie and her sister, Alyssa, end up coming back to their family's summer house on the coast of Maine and try to put the pieces you know, kind of back together, or at least figure out a new way forward. And this place has deep meaning to them. Janie cooks a ton for, you know, all sorts of reasons. She's a talented cook, never has had any formal training, but she cooks to bring people together. And in this case, it becomes more important than it ever was. Tell me what your writing day looks like. 
my writing day, it's really tough to make happen. So I have to look at my week and think about when I can find these little blocks of time. Even just finding a location has been really challenging because I used to go out to various coffee shops and I had a a hotel lobby bar I really liked near me and things like that. It just gotten so much harder to be in public spaces and to write. And so I finally found that we got some front porch furniture and I can write on my front porch and it's enough of a removal from everyone else. And I don't have the laundry staring me right in the face. I feel like I've talked about laundry with you a lot, but I live on a side street. And so I do have some cars that go by and people walk by my house all the time. And so there's occasionally some wildlife. So it's enough that I'm getting a little bit of something. I need it not to be a dark, quiet room. And so I listen to jazz and I I can sit down on my front porch and I just try to find little blocks of time. And I try to have a goal. Like I will sketch out chapter 14, or I'm going to draft chapter 14. And as long as I can do that in these little increments, then at least I feel better about making progress. And I feel like I've succeeded in doing something. Well, you've given me an idea. I'm going to try that on those little goals. You know, those little goals, I've heard little goals. Way to go. In a nutshell, what does your idea to manuscript process look like? I come up with just tons and tons of ideas. I think like anyone who endeavors to do this and I write them down on first I was using notebooks and now I'm just using tons of legal pads <laughs> and I've got legal pads in various colors strewn around my house and all, various tote bags and, you know, things like that. So I can always find a legal pad and they, you know, these ideas come to you at the weirdest times, you know, when you're doing your, doing the laundry, the title first course came to me when I was doing the laundry one day. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of times, you know, when you're taking a shower or something like that's very inconvenient because you've got to try to keep it all in your head until you you know can get out and scroll it down. But then what I start to do is make a timeline of the story of what I think it'll be and start creating characters. I've got all sorts of big posters, you know, where I've got all the characters all written out and descriptions of them and all the background that I need to at least get started. I have sticky notes in the timeline that I can move around and I can add more to it. And then I start, you know, I start sketching out a chapter, usually one chapter at a time. Right now I've actually got chapters 15 and 16 sketched out together because I don't exactly know where the break is going to be. I know what has to happen in the next two chapters, but I'm trying to figure out where the cutoff is and and when we start the next one. So it's a little bit different right now, but that's pretty much how it goes. I've got everything sketched out for a chapter. Then I sit down to uh, draft it and then I do print it and allow myself to go through it one time. I learned with the first book, I was going through each chapter like three times after I drafted it and it was just taking too long and it wasn't really helping me. So I'm much happier with my process this time along. Do you know how the book's going to end? I do. Okay. So you outline and you plan, but you're open to the changes. For this book that I'm writing right now, there's a whole secondary storyline that I was barely going to include any details on this. And it was, it was going to be just a passing occurrence early in the book. And it ended up becoming this whole big thing. And I think it's a stronger story for it. Oh, cool. Cool. Well, tell us, what are you working on? Tell us about this. So it's called Palms on the Cape. It's set on Cape Cod, which has become, um, I really like writing about coastal places, as you might have guessed. And uh, the first book, first course was on the coast of Maine. This was, This is on Cape Cod, which has become one of my favorite places to be. In particular, this one town called Dennis has the most beautiful beach on the bay side. It's called Mayflower Beach at low tide. It is 
pure heaven. So I'll have to send you a picture of what it looks like. It yeah, is, I'm writing that down now. That sounds really it is cool. truly magical. And so it is set there. And it is with an older protagonist this time. She's about to turn 40 and she owns a beach bar. And she's very much a person who has built her own business. She did get a little bit of an inheritance right when she was finishing college from a great aunt who she never knew. And we'll find out a little bit more about that. But she ended up following her dream. She had a pretty rough childhood and this was her chance to kind of make it on her own. And the regulars, the customers in her beach bar have really become her family and her, and her employees have become her family. But then one day, a group of guests come in and everything changes. Oh, fun. Isn't it fun as, as a writer to be able to mix and match things? You know, you take like that group and now you've got this chorus that comes in. And now Absolutely. how does that change it? Really mm-hmm. cool. I have, I'm in love with this story. It has been such a joy to write and I just want to work on it all the time. But you know, there is, there's a lot of other things we have to do in life. <laughs> Especially when you have children. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're 10 and 14 now and you know they, they play sports and uh, we are very busy and they're there's just always laundry to do and you have to feed oh, yeah. them <laughs> yeah they, they definitely need to be fed especially at 10 and 14 yeah. so so in first course you talk about that the, there were four tragic things when four life-altering catastrophes hit in just one day so when did you know when you were writing it that you had thrown enough at these characters <laughs> Four four life-altering catastrophes in one day. That's a lot. It was a lot. And, you know, I wanted it to be jarring because I knew that was the the only way that the two sisters were going to end up back at this house and step away from everything else they had to deal with in their lives would be if it was just so bad. And, and they really, they had nowhere else to be. They had nowhere else really to go. And this was a place that was stable for them. And so I, I knew that it had to, had to really pack a punch in the beginning. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, it sounds like it did. <laughs> Four is, is, yeah. But, but, you know, again, that's the beauty of writing is that we get to play God a little bit and, you know, you have to ask, you know, what is the question? What, what would it take to get those two to go back to the home and be right. there together? And it sounds like that was, that's how much, how much they had grown apart to bring them back there. Right. What is something special readers will always get when they read one of your books? I really think that the food aspect is my niche. And when I was in the process of just kind of waiting to see what was going to happen with first course and then waiting for it to be published, I did write several other short stories that have been published during this time, and they all have a very strong food element to them. And, you know, the book I'm working on right now does too. And I, I really, like I mentioned earlier, the idea of food bringing people together is a nice thing to be able to center a story around. I also think it helps to bring the story to life a little bit. You know, you're able to kind of activate people's, not not their taste buds, but maybe anticipation of what they could be tasting. And I've had a lot of people tell me about first course that they got really hungry when they read it. So I take that as a compliment. What is the meal that you make that brings your family together? 
That's a great question. There's a number of things. You know, last night we were trying to figure out we were going to have a slightly earlier evening of activities. And so my husband and I have been cooking a lot more together, kind of working as a team as we try to manage these uh, schedules right now. And it's just also hard to come up with ideas at this point. So I was like, well, I can I can make meatballs. We haven't had pasta in a while and everyone likes meatballs in our house. And there's actually meatballs in first course. So always, always fun to, to think about meatballs. And then he found a you know, pasta sauce from Ina Garten's new book that he wanted to try to make. And it was delicious. She's my favorite cook. So I always go back to her recipes. So that is something that, you know, it's nice when you find something that everyone in the family really enjoys. Yeah, it is. You know, especially with children, what excites you and your husband to cook, and then you put all this work into it and the kids look at it and go, mm, yeah, no, thanks. Absolutely. <laughs> What are you reading now? Well, one of the greatest things about entering this world of, of published authors is I have gotten to know so many authors. And um, I was actually just listening to your podcast with Sarah Lynn Brock and she, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, daytime drama is fantastic. And she did one of the blurbs on my back cover. It's been really nice to get to know her a little bit. Lainey Cameron is another author who I've gotten to know and she's just amazing. She's such a, a mentor for other authors. And she is. I, she's incredible. The exit strategy is fantastic. And mm-hmm. I have been recommending that to so many people. My mom just read it. She absolutely loved it, has recommended it to a ton of her friends. Now, I'm reading Lacey Walden's The Layover right now, which is really fun as I haven't gotten to really go anywhere in, in a long time. So it's it's nice to read about adventures and I've gotten asked, this is really fun now, I've gotten asked to blurb some books. And so I'm about to read a book called Madcap Serenade from another author that is with my publisher with Touchpoint Press. So I'm about to do that. I just finished reading a book called Nothing Else is Love that was really wonderful for, for them as well and, and blurb that. So that's another fun, fun thing I'm getting to do now, which is great. And I, I love getting to you know, get to know these other authors and to tell lots of people to read their books. Isn't that fun? I mean, it's like, it oh, wow, reading and watching movies and listening to music, all this is research. Yeah. It is, absolutely. You know, you bring up a really good point. Writers talk often at how their fellow writers support them through the best and worst of times. Have you found this to be true? So true. That has been one of the biggest surprises of this whole experience. And I've heard other people tell you this as well on the podcast, just how supportive other writers have been. And I'm a part of a number of online groups, and I'm a part of the Women's Fiction Writers Association, WFWA, and they're all so helpful. You know, when I I come up with something, it's nice to be able to have a place where I can just throw it out there and get a bunch of responses. And oftentimes people will reach out to you independently and people are so generous with their time and their thoughts. And when you succeed, people are really happy for you. And that's really nice as well. I'm part of a 2021 debut group on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And that has been a great experience as we've all celebrated each other's debuts this year and shared what could be a difficult year. It has been because, you know, we're trying to, we're all trying to find ways to promote our books in probably more creative ways than we would have had to. Otherwise I'm working on something right now where I've been sending out copies of my book to little free libraries in every state. And I have friends 
I have friends and in some cases, friends of friends who have been distributing them and then they take a picture of it and send it to me. And then I post it on social media. So yesterday was North Dakota. Today was Connecticut. Tomorrow is going to be South Dakota. And it's been a nice way to connect with people all over the country at a time where, you know, it is a a little bit more challenging to get your book out there. Absolutely. It is. It's like, we have to be really very creative these days. Um, Especially, you know, the tour, what is a book tour anymore? Five years, somebody's going to say, what, what is that? Nobody does that anymore. Right. Let's, hope, all, let's hope we get to. Let's hope. I know. Just piecing things together. I will say past weekend, I got to go up to Maine where first course is set and I got to do an event at a cookware store, nice. um, which was really fun. And we did it in collaboration with an independent bookstore in Bath, Maine, Mockingbird Bookshop. And that was great because I got to sign books and we had biscuits from the book as samples. And I gave out recipe cards for them and it felt kind of normal. So that was nice. Well, your promotional package when it came was really fun too. That was that was a nice treat. Lots of stuff. Oh, a book and some fun stuff. Yes. Especially if you'd like to cook. It's really yeah. fun. I ask all our guests this question. In your view, what is good writing? In my view, good writing is when a book stays with you or a story stays with you later. And it can take so many different forms. But when you finish it, when you're sad that it's over, that you wish it could keep going, when you think about the characters well beyond the time that you've read the book. To me, that's good writing. So with that in mind, thinking back before you began writing, when you just kind of had that little thought of writing was kind of in a clamshell, you're like, oh, maybe. What were the books that you read that when you were reading them, you thought, I want to do this? Jennifer Weiner's books have always stayed with me. And, you know, ever since her debut book, Good and Bad, I've always really looked forward to her books. I've always felt like they've resonated with me in different ways than other writers have. I finally got to meet her this summer in Newport, Rhode Island, which has been on my bucket list for years. She is just as awesome in person as you would think. She is hilarious, tells great stories. She's just very genuine. So she was always one that really stayed with me. Another would be Richard Russo, Empire Falls, one of my all-time favorite books. And I did get to go to an event a few years ago in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, that he was, and it was worth it. He was, he was great. He told wonderful stories as well. So I think the storytelling aspect of it is something that I aspire to continue working on because I think that both of them do it so well. You, you really feel like you are in that place and you are part of it. They're both so gifted. What is the best writing advice you've received? So when I was a junior in college, I was an RA in a dorm and one of my freshman students on my floor, her name is Andrea Williams and she is a successful writer now. She wrote a book called The Longest Night several years ago. And when I first had finished like my, just my messy first draft and I was just reaching out to people I knew who knew something about writing and just said, give me, give me all the advice. And she told me, she said, be tenacious with this. So don't give up on this. That you you can do this. You can make this happen. And I think that's all I needed to hear was just to be tenacious. Don't give up. Well, thank you so much. This has been really fun, super interesting. Thanks, Chris. To learn more, visit Jen's website at jenbouchard.com. 
If you're enjoying The Writing Table, please consider leaving us a review. There are so many podcasts out there. Reviews help other listeners find us. Thanks so much for your support.